The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 197 of 97 Natural Hat Trick Podcast. It's already chaos. That's the voice of Craig Morgan. Jamie Eisner is here as well. I think everybody in the world is awake now. And I'm Luke Lipinski. I'm not sure I'm awake. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Great. What time did you get on the road this morning? I don't know. I don't know that I ever went to bed last night. There was a five that started my mm. clock. Yeah, yeah. That's Ugh. awful. Well, I, you know, I had to get coffee. It's true. And we, there we were, thank you for it. There was yeah. a five that did stopped. Did you enjoy your sample of my coffee this morning? Yeah, by the way? sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just like coffee. sampling. <laughs> oh, well, there was a five that stopped Vegas's clock this year, too. So. Oh, I look at that transition. Mm. Wow. How are we feeling about these extremely predictable playoffs so far? <laughs> Worst I can imagine. Uh, I'm excited for it. I, I know. I, I think. I think it was you. I don't want to give you credit if you didn't do it. Because it was probably don't, you don't, don't want to give him credit anyway. Good point. I don't want this every year. This was me. Uh, well, all right. every once you know, squirrel, blind squirrel, whatever. Once a year. But it's to me, I, I don't. Squirrel theory. Yeah, I don't want it every single year. But I like that there's just chaos this year. Imagine. A Canes Jackets Eastern Conference Final <laughs> and a Stars Abs no. Western Conference Final. No more stars. I can't. Deep from stars. the nightmares. So deep in the nightmares of an NBC executive. <laughs> Is that a play on deep in the heart of Texas? <laughs> no, you're giving Jamie way too much credit. It, it, that is, that's an interesting thought, whether you intended that or, or not. Um, the first round was fun, and like Jamie said, even though he was paraphrasing me, so I naturally agree with him. Uh, I, I like this this year. I wouldn't like it every year because then it makes it would make the regular season so meaningless. But the NBA could use a year like this because I think a year like this all of a sudden adds drama to the next four or five years because you're like, well, but all the number ones could lose. They just they could absolutely just lose in the first round. Um, so I do enjoy the chaos, but I wonder what we're in store for now because <laughs> no idea well because if it comes down to dallas and the islanders in the final i'm not gonna be laughing anymore here's the thing i, I, po- I posed this question last night in a tweet who who is the favorite now as the second round starts and i literally got seven answers the only team that was not mentioned were said dallas stars yeah like, who, who is the favorite right now can can anyone legitimately say oh this is a clear favorite i don't know maybe boston I think Boston's the best team. I also think Columbus might be the second best team. That, and that's the thing. Boston is the best team, but that really didn't matter much in round one, did it? No. Columbus just took down Tampa Bay in yeah. four straight games. I, 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 mean, I just throw my hands I, up. I, I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good with predictions. I am not this year. and I, But like you know, like we were just saying, I, I, I enjoy it for this one year. I don't want to get to next year and the year after, and, and, and it's just every year the regular season is just completely meaningless. Just get in and you'll win the whole thing. But I, I love the fact that literally anything could happen. We've been saying this for a few years, but this year all of that anything actually is happening. All four division winners are out. Can we talk about those those bullet points, by the way? For the first time in NHL history, the top seed in each conference was eliminated in the first time. Uh, first round. All four division winners have fallen and all four wild cards have advanced for the first time in NHL history. <laughs> Obviously a new playoff format that was adopted fairly recently. Five lower seeds advanced. Canadian-based teams are out of the playoffs, meaning that drought will extend to 26 seasons well, that's without cool. a cup. Eight of the ten longest tenured coaches this season either missed the playoffs or exited in the first round. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. The only two to survive... 
San Jose's Peter DeBoer and Columbus's John Tortorella. And San Jose's Peter DeBoer probably shouldn't have survived. We'll get to that in a minute. And he was labeled a clown by Gerard Gallant. The four longest tenured coaches, Tampa Bay's John Cooper, Winnipeg's Paul Maurice, Nashville's Peter Laviolette, and Toronto's Mike Babcock, all fell in the first round, as did two-time cup winner Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. This is a crazy, crazy year. We have never seen anything like this. This truly is unprecedented. And here are the remaining seeds, if you were based on, on record in the regular season. Third, fifth, sixth, 11th, 12th, 13th, 15th, and 17th best records are what advanced to the second round <laughs> on the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, Colorado. Colorado. 17th. Wow. Yeah, under Montreal. I don't even remember what I was going to say. That's, that's, a, that's an insane stat. I, um, I, I don't even... I don't even want to say we saw anything like this coming. I mean, when we did the show a couple weeks ago, we talked. I remember talking, you know, Columbus is, is a dangerous team. Colorado is a dangerous team. Colorado doesn't shock me just because we, we did discuss Calgary. You know, Calgary had goalie issues. Colorado, their goaltending was playing great going in. Colorado's healthy. And that's a team that should have been higher than they were in the standings all year. I don't know how you could have ever foreseen what has happened across the board, though. Carolina beat Washington last night. Well, I, I warned you that that was a closer possibility than you thought it was. But I mean, Calgary I still was. Think you're wrong, Calgary. Well, um, <laughs> um, well, Calgary was the team I think we all identified as. If you're going to knock off one of the top seeds yeah. or a top five team in the league, that's the one that's in most danger because of their goaltending situation. And, and they were hot going in. I mean, we were seeing this year that being the team hot going, the hot team going into the playoffs, it means more than anything. Or Very yeah, clearly. being better than the, being the better team going in. But but and that happened in several instances. I, I, I spoke with Rick Tockett about this, and he talked about the importance of being hot down the stretch. Colorado was eight zero and two to clinch that berth. They lost their last game of the season, it didn't, when it matter. didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Columbus went seven and one down the stretch. St. Louis went eight and two, and St. Louis had the best record in the NHL after January first. Yeah. So to see these teams advancing, there's there's some merit to being hot at the right time. And if and if you're Tampa. I don't know what I mean. You can't decidedly just lose more games next year because you feel like it. But at some point, you're going to have to. I, I don't know how. How do you manufacture caring about games when you're running away? Like if they if they are a 55 or 58 win team next year, they're going to kind of be in the same spot where they're playing the final month of the season where they've had the division locked up and it's not going to matter. I mean, if you're playing, even if you're winning, if you're playing meaningless games for the majority of the season like how do you how do you fix that problem because clearly they don't know how to turn it on no that is a team that can't flip the switch they've made that pretty clear it flips down and that's it yeah <laughs> it's like one of those dimmer switches that only gets darker as the season goes on but there's so much value to winning the atlantic division that uh, maybe well <laughs> but, uh, i mean and, and here's them. the other thing when i talk about hot teams tampa bay had the second best record in the league after january 1st i mean they won 62 games so you'd sort of expect it but they were playing well down the stretch as well it just I, I don't. They're, the, they're an anomaly. I don't even know how to how to explain the lightning at this point. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that if you're trying to figure anything out that you can really even consider what the lightning just did because that that I mean they didn't win a game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like these other series where it's like, oh yeah, okay. You know, Washington got upset. They did go to Game Seven, although we'll get to them in a second. Tampa just they led for the first period of the first game and then just bowed out. Mm-hmm. The one thing I guess I would say, if if you're looking at Tampa, St. Louis, Colorado, and Columbus being four of the hottest teams down the stretch, every team except Tampa had to win those games. Like They were playing do-or-die games all the way to pretty much the end of the season, so there was that extra motivation. Do you want to start with the Capitals series that ended last night? Yes, and I would sure. like it's to start with a formal apology from you to me. How, how would you like this phrased, Jamie? I'm not, I'm not. Uh, 
Oh, really? You're actually going to deliver one? I was just expecting dead air. Like, Jamie, I am sorry for doubting you that the Carolina Hurricanes stood a chance against the Washington Capitals in the first round. That's not going to happen. I I will say to the listening audience, I am sorry for failing you because I thought Carolina didn't have a chance in that series. I thought that they would. I thought, like, I thought maybe. I know I picked them to get swept. I yeah, yeah you picked them to get swept. That that was more to drive home the point, though. That you I just thought, even if they won a game or two games, they were never going to win when it actually mattered. You're right. They never were going to win when it actually mattered, and they did. Was was that one of the dullest game sevens you watched? It was one of the most poorly played game yeah, sevens. I, yeah, I was not impressed with either team last it night. Got exciting, it got exciting though. It did, and but especially in the context of we'll talk about this later. But what happened the night before? Yeah, it wasn't going to hold up. But yeah, it was a sloppy game that was close. It wasn't a great game that was close. I can't. It, we were just talking about this before the show. It's sort of finally sinking in right now that Washington lost that game and they led that series. They led that series 2-0, too. Yeah, they yeah, were up 2-0. 3-1 in that game. When, when, when they went up 2 nothing, I thought that might be a route at that point, yeah. the way they started. Mm-hmm. Carolina gets a goal, but then Washington responded. I thought, okay, they just they just got control of the game. This is over. Yeah, yeah. And like, then from that point, they they it, just did nothing. It was a strange game. because it, it was. Peter Morazic looked like he was like a dead fish flopping in the crease for most of that game. It, or he would, every time dead he... Dead fish don't flop. I, I don't okay. want to put that on, okay. <laughs> Jamie, Fair. like a formal apology to the fish of the uh, for, up for, to electrodes our, or something. For know. our fish listeners, uh, I apologize. Uh, glug, glug. <laughs> I can't believe you threw that glug, glug in there at the end. So offensive to the random fish that might be listening. Mrazic would, would go to, even when he didn't make a save, he would like move to his right and then just drift like five feet out of the net to the right. Then he run back to the left. I, I then cannot Hopi, believe Carolina won that game. Well, then Hopi tried that on the Jordan Stahl goal where I don't know where, where he thought the net was. Not but where it actually was. It was where it actually was. That was unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's sinking yeah. in because you're right. Washington led the series 2-0, led the series 3-2, led that game 2-0 and 3-1. At home. At home, yeah. having just won the Stanley Cup. And then Justin Williams. Yep. Justin yeah. That's a great, freaking was, Williams. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We spent all that whole t- entire game joking that it's not over yet because Justin Williams doesn't have his obligatory game seven point. Yeah. And Should he, we tell Craig that you and I watch the game together now? Would this be Yeah, awful? probably. Jamie and I watched the game together last night. Sorry, Craig. That's okay. I was with my family. <laughs> We were going to invite you, and then we figured well, maybe did you want to invite you? No, I just kind of figured you didn't want to go across across town in the middle yeah. of the, I, <laughs> the we, middle of rush hour. We figured that you were going to have family plans, so well, Jamie and I watched. generally do. Yes, that's what happens when you have a family. Um, but Luke to, just ignores his to allow that. <laughs> I have a family to allow that to get. Uh, that's not what we've heard. That's what uh, you tell the judge. Jamie has nine wives. Yeah. How do we get on me? We have no idea how many children. No, nine wives in nine different states and provinces, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to narrow it down. No, you got to leave your options open. Apparently, to allow that game to get <laughs> game seven to get to overtime, you know Justin Williams is going to do something, uh-huh. and he did, and it's unreal. Is it Fifteen points now in game sevens. Yeah, I think so. 15, like 15, ten games. I can't remember yeah. what it was. They showed him with like a minute left in that game when it was just chaos. Remember this, Jamie? Since you and I watched laughing, the game together? you saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. It yeah. was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> this guy's laughing yep. in overtime of a game seven or late in third period, whatever it was. Yeah. Just- it's just who is he drawing with? I couldn't even tell. I couldn't, they cut the camera away to instantly to Ovechkin, who looked like. He looked like a Vetchkin who had never won the cup yeah. before. Like there was all this pressure all of a sudden. But they had just yeah, Williams just sitting there like, I can't believe you guys are gonna let me do this again. Fifteen points in nine game in nine game sevens. It's an NHL record. Not His bad. own NHL record that he yeah. extended last night. Yeah. Unreal. Um mm. 
just yeah, just absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. So Washington's out. That that is of all those first round series, none of them as, as surprising as these playoffs have been, none of them ultimately shocked me except that one. That absolutely shocked me. And I gave Carolina a lot of credit for hanging Tampa around. Tampa didn't shock you? Tampa shocked me. Swept? It has to be at least the way they went out. The way they went out, I, that's I, shocking. I know you saw a conceivable way they would lose in seven, yeah. but no, I don't think anybody saw them getting swept. That's true. But now that we are at the point we're at where these are the eight teams left, the one that shocks me the most is Carolina. Um, and I don't... We'll get to that series now that's coming up, but but uh, I don't know what to make of them because they really didn't look great. The, the first period, like to your point, Craig, it wasn't just, hey, Washington's up 2 nothing. this could be a route. It's Washington's up 2 nothing. Calvin DeHaan, we were talking about this last night, I felt like he was playing with two broken legs. Like He, he couldn't skate. <laughs> and, and the rest of Carolina's defense, they were all just bumping into each other. So that game really did feel like... It, it felt like if that first period went another three minutes, it might be 5 nothing. And I don't know what happened during the first intermission, but... Well, I, we talked about that a little bit of they need this period. What did Carolina need at that point? It was this period to end. Yeah. And just yeah. pretend this didn't happen. Because they had a little flurry for the first 30 seconds and then just got run out of the building. Did you ever feel like in this series Washington turned it on for an extended period of time? Mm, no. When we saw the, the cup champs. No. no. It never felt like they were playing in top form. And, and losing TJ Oshie hurts, obviously. It, yeah, that, that's That's true. a big loss. That's true. But I just never felt like they brought it. It was odd. Yeah, you would think that was that was a nice – they had a nice setup to get to the conference they final. They sure did. I thought they had an easy path. They really mm-hmm. did. Now, I guess we can delete the text I sent at the start of the playoffs. That's true. It was because Jamie found it last night. It was Washington's going to have the easiest path of going through Carolina, the Islanders, Columbus, and Dallas to win the Cup. <laughs> and it's still there. That path is still Dallas. there. I beg you, not Dallas. <laughs> but they're not there. Um Toronto, they're handling this pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah. So where do we want to begin here? Uh, let's, let's let's talk about who's getting blamed for this. I think you guys brought this up. Okay. So 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 Jake Gardner yep. uh, is yep. getting blamed. Mike Babcock is getting blamed. Kyle Dubas is getting blamed. Uh, Europeans in general are, are, are love Europe. All of um, Europe. Who else? Who am I, oh, Nazem Kadri. Well, that might be warranted. He's being blamed. No. Kadri, yeah, he took himself out for the final four games of the series. So. Yeah. Final five games of the series, right? Three through seven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the end of game two where he was playing pretty well. I mean, that was a yeah. winnable game for them. Yeah, uh, I think that's everybody that's getting blamed. They, they can't blame Austin Matthews <laughs> anymore. Kessel. Whoa, they still are blaming Austin Matthews, actually. Although his ice time, well, they're, they're looking at Babcock's use of, usage of him with, in terms of ice time. Can we start there? That was, that was weird, yes. right? What, what, I don't. I really don't get that. Like, sometimes I think that the Maple Leafs fans are insane. I don't know if you guys are on the same page with me here. But... I know it's easy to just flip out, hey, we just lost, we're going to blame our... Co-. That was really weird management of a player that's not only one of the better players in the league, but also was playing really well. It's strange in general, because you are still a heavy team offensively, and that's why you get... That's why you, that, that's your big... In Marner and Tavares, like that, that's your big advantage over everybody else. It's not the blue line? Playing them... <laughs> <laughs> playing them 17, 18, 19 minutes in a do-or-die game... Hey, I know. You let's put Patrick Marlowe on at the end. Like I, I, I just don't understand he's, that. He's uh, thirty-nine. Then Matthews. No, he's not. No. But there's a there, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. It, it, it felt like, and I know this wasn't the case, but it felt like a combination. Maybe half of it was actually of Mike Babcock just kind of saying, "I've had success in this league before. I get so much criticism in this market. I'm doing this my way." It was a combination of that, which I think was actually probably true. And it almost felt like he was pacing his players for the whole playoffs. And it's like, you got to win the game in front of you. Yeah, it, it felt like this was like a regular season management game. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we kind of want to win, but you know, we have to look at this long term. Like, I, I don't understand. 
I just don't understand the usage there. And by the way, uh, there, I know there was a Mitch Marner was the second coming early in that series when he did what he did. Um, Mitch Marner really faded How in this dare series. You? You he did not have a point in the him. final three games. By the way, that's not his fault. That's everybody else's fault. <laughs> So if your big players rise in big situations, Austin Matthews had five goals in that series, by the way, and did show up later in the series. Yeah. After the first two games is when he scored all, his, all of his goals and had all of his six points. Look, to Toronto's going to be in this weird spot. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. They're, they're going to lose Jake Gardner, most likely. That blue line's going to get worse. They're not, I don't think they're going to be able to call up somebody that's going to be that as productive as Jake Gardner was in year one. So they you have to make some moves. The blue line got worse. Boston isn't going anywhere. Tampa's still going to put up a ton of points in the regular season. Like, you're in the spot where, I I mean, you're still obviously in the heart of your window, but it's not getting any easier going forward. Well, and that's where I would say the criticism of Dubas is fair. Why didn't he improve this blue line? Because it clearly is an issue. Yeah. It, it's an issue. They're, they don't have a good blue line. You need two guys back there. And if you're going to lose Gardner, I know they have some young guys coming up that might be able to add, but they're still young. Mm-hmm. So how much are you going to trust them immediately? This team needed to make a move at the trade deadline for a, for a you know, well, they did. I mean, they got one. Yeah, but, they, if, but it's like they did it halfway. I mean, they, I thought that they, they got, got Muzzin for a pretty good price. Yeah. yeah. But this is where I would say some criticism of him maybe is warranted. And I don't even know that I thought it at the time, so I'll say this is hindsight, but I've heard it so much that it's like, this is you're in your cup window right now. Can you imagine yes. if Toronto had won that game? They're probably the favorites to win the cup at this point. Right. You got to kind of go all in. You can't keep saying, "Oh yeah, well, you know, it's it's down the road. It's okay. We're still young." You you, you got to realize when you're in that window. You, yeah. You, yeah. Not, tomorrow's never promised in this league. You don't know what's going to happen. So if they don't go into the off season, I mean. You wonder if Kadri's going to be back. You wonder if they're going to have to move one of their younger players like Kapanen or Janssen to get that defenseman. And if they do, yeah. you know, do you, do you find someone like the Coyotes, for instance, to take on Patrick Marlowe's final year yeah. and one of those players so that you have the cap space to add one of those players? They need to do something. They need to address the blue line this offseason. If they do not, and I'm ownership, I'm looking at Kyle Dubas very hard at that point. Why haven't you done what we absolutely needed to do to improve this team and make it a cup contender? I, I want to. Th- we're going to do listener questions at the end, but Adam yeah. wrote in, it's, it's perfect for this specific discussion. He said, what does Toronto have to do to finally vanquish Boston, assuming they also have to lose a piece to keep Marner? Just that. Improve your blue line. Yeah. Your, your blue line has to be better. I would also say that um, if you win the Atlantic, you probably don't have to play Boston. In the first round, at least. Uh, because I, I, it does feel like Boston sort of has... Not sort of. They definitely have the mental edge on them right now. And if it's just Toronto and Boston in the first round next year, it's it's not that Toronto can't win that series, but it's like you're going into that series knowing it's probably going to go seven. There's you, you can't prepare for game seven of your first round series next year right now. You can make your team better. But as opposed to Tampa where you know we've talked about like you start next season... Why do those games really mean anything to you? You can't prove anything if you're Tampa. You can't change anything until next April. Toronto actually does have the the path of if you could somehow win that division, let Tampa and Boston beat each other up for a round. You get a first-round win, because I do think they would beat somebody else in the first round, and then maybe you have some momentum. At least make it a little bit different. That's something. But at the end of the day, I mean, they led the series, too. They had They had two chances to put Boston away, and I don't think they had... I don't think Boston made them play the style of game that Toronto was worried they were going to have to play. That wasn't that physical of a series after Game 2. It wasn't. And if you're still looking at long-term arcs, Toronto's is still on the upswing and Boston's is kind of flatlined. This is what they're going to be. I don't see them getting appreciably better in the next two or three years. But 
you have to improve that blue line in Toronto. You absolutely have to. And we talked about this at the time. We've talked about it all season, and Craig already alluded to it on the show. That last year that you added, for some reason, to Patrick Marleau's contract is going to be the biggest hindrance for them getting... It might prevent them from winning a cup next year. That's how bad that extra year on that deal was. Right, and Patrick Marleau has some control over his contract, too. So what if he says no? Then maybe you can't improve your your team the way you hope you can. Because without that contract, you could pay Marner and you without really losing anybody else and then you can maybe move one of those young pieces for a blue line piece instead right. of moving it to keep the same pieces you already have. If you have Marlowe, if Marlowe decides no I'm going to retire as a Toronto Maple Leaf after next season, do you have to consider moving Willie Nylander at that point in order to do what you need to do on your your back end or I, do you say we're going to roll the dice for another year? I think that's a dangerous game when you start push kicking sure the can is. down the road sure because is. you know it just it I mean we'll talk about them later but you some you always think your window is going to be open longer than it is. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be going all in right now yeah. if it was Toronto. Because what do we think about Nashville a year or two years ago? Right. What do you think about Winnipeg a year or two years ago? Yeah, those... All of a sudden, like their windows aren't closed, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're only kind of half open now. Uh, other teams are getting, and I tell you what, somebody's going to win the cup this year that we haven't talked about their window being open or closed for yeah. you know, at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of guaranteed at this point, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so if I'm Toronto, I'm going all in, and, and I know that it hurt to lose to Boston again. It should hurt even worse looking at the other eight teams that are left now. Yeah. Because if you were that team instead of Boston, you'd absolutely be the favorite. It'd be the same situation Boston's in where you might be playing the next best team in Columbus, and it's not like Toronto would just walk through that series. But if you're looking around saying, okay, it's Carolina and the Islanders and Dallas, and it's like, yeah, this, this we may look back as Toronto's best chance to win the Cup. Is this going to be turn out to be the year that was like the first year post-lockout where you have the, the Carolina-Edmonton final that makes no sense in the context of anything that's happening around before or after it. Is this going to be that kind of like complete random year that everything's going to get back to normal the next few years, but this will be the year where it's like, wow, Colorado beat Columbus in the, in the Stanley Cup final, and then neither team gets back for 15 years? It feels like it right now. I'm trying to think, like, what would be a reasonable Stanley Cup final after what we've seen? Would it be, like, Boston? Anybody but Dallas. St. Louis? Louis? Yeah. yeah. That's probably the most yeah. rematch of the expansion years, the mm-hmm. original expansion years. Or like when St- Scotty Bowman was coaching in St. Louis. Scotty Bowman coach every team, pretty much. Probably. What's Stan Bowman doing now? Uh, yes. That? Oh, there's. Oh, look at that. Okay. Still glad. the GM in Chicago. Oh. Got Not sure how, break. but still the GM in Chicago. He won you three cups single-handedly, Craig. That's how. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, San Jose. If it was Boston-San Jose, that would be reasonable, too. But there's not... Yeah, to Jamie's mm-hmm. point, if we look back and we're like, hey, remember that year that the Islanders and Dallas met in the Stanley Cup and we all blacked out for two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vegas. Wow. Yikes. How about before we get to our thoughts, we talk to Jesse Granger of The Athletic and get his thoughts on... What the I, call. The, was that the best series? Toronto-Boston was really good, too, but that was a good series. Right. I think it was the best. Best of the West. All right, joining us now to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. He covers them for The Athletic. It's Jesse Granger. You can find him on Twitter, at Jesse Granger underscore. Jesse, first of all, uh, thanks for the time. I imagine a pretty crazy couple days in Vegas. I guess they're always crazy days in Vegas, <laughs> but especially crazy right now. Yeah, particularly crazy um, with, obviously, the last two games going to overtime, that one ending in the stunning defeat, and now... Uh, a couple days later, they're cleaning out their lockers today and heading out. Jesse, you weighed in on this already in the Athletics Roundtable, but 
let's get your full thoughts on on the call. I guess it, it maybe go may go down in Vegas history as the call, the five minute major on Cody Eakin that really turned the tide in this game seven. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought it was a play that you see on, like Jonathan Marshall so said after the game, probably about fifty percent of faceoffs. I mean, usually when, especially guys that like to tie up. Um, if you don't win the draw, you give the guy a little push. And was it a cross-check? Yes. By the letter of the law, I would say yes, it is a cross-check. And, and I think you can call it a two-minute minor for cross-checking on Eakin if you want. It's a call that probably 99% of the time doesn't get made. But if you want to call it, that's I mean, it was a penalty. So I, you can give him a two-minute cross-check. The, the biggest issue I had was the mechanics of the call because no referee's arm went up, no official's arm went up on the ice when it happened. Um, we went back and watched all the angles, and nobody called it a penalty when the actual cross-check happened. They waited until after when once they saw Pavelski was injured. So basically they're calling the result of the play when they didn't see what happened instead of the actual foul that occurred. So to me that was the biggest issue. And then once they call it a cross-check and they, they see how injured he is, I understand why it's a five-minute then, because they didn't see the actual cross-check. They just saw the result, and, and I completely understand why they're thinking, oh, man, this is like, this is really bad. Pavelski's really hurt. This has to be a five-minute major. And and I think that's where it kind of goes off the rails. And um, like I said in the, in the roundtable, I didn't think it was the right call, and I think it absolutely determined that game. You went and got an explanation from the officials as well uh, as as any good reporter would do, and I don't know what you thought of the explanation. I thought it was incredibly vague. I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on that explanation. Yeah, uh, just for those that haven't seen it, the exact quote was, the referees called the cross-checking penalty for an infraction that caused a significant injury in their judgment, the infraction, and its result merited a major penalty. Um, yeah, I wasn't thrilled with that answer either. Most people weren't. That was from the NHL series supervisor, Don Van Massenhoven. And I asked if I could speak with him to ask a few questions. They declined. I asked if they could, I asked for a few specifics, kind of the mechanics of it, when it was called, when they decided, why they decided. And the NHL, obviously, they, they're not going to go any further into it. They said that that was already more than they normally would do for a judgment call. So, um, yeah, they, they weren't offering much. The, the obvious response, at least from most places around the hockey world, was this needs to be reviewable immediately. What do you think about that? Is it time to review these types of penalties? Do you think this will force the league's hand? Or are these judgment calls just an unfortunate fact of you have humans refereeing a human game? Yeah, no, I think it should definitely be, five-minute majors should be reviewable because of the fact, and yeah, the Golden Knights, you can't let up four shorthanded goals in a five-minute power play. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there's that. that even happen. Since I've been alive, it's probably happened like twice. I mean, but, but there's the potential for that to happen every time there's a five-minute major because it doesn't end when they score. So if you're going to make a call that's going to change a game that drastically, and it's not an, a fight instigating, it's not a guy dropping gloves and fighting someone that doesn't want to or something like that, I think it should absolutely be reviewable. Jonathan Marcheseau, obviously he had strong words after the game. Um, he even said, he's like, let's help those guys out. It's a fast game for everyone, not just us. It's a fast game for the officials, too. It's easy for them to miss things. Let's help them out and give them replay. And I honestly think there's, that they used replay incorrectly in this series because there was another incident two games ago where 
Logan Couture was was caught with a high stick by Jonathan Marcheseau that again wasn't called on the ice. It, they they stopped play because he ran off the ice and and the, to the high stick caught him good. And I honestly think because the, the call was so late and there was no hand raise that they saw on the jumbotron that that Marcheseau did get him in the face and then made the call after the fact. And obviously they're not supposed to be doing that, but I don't see anything wrong with doing that, especially if you're gonna. Like I said, if you're going to give a guy a five-minute major, that's a that team's now shorthanded for 12% of that game. Um, I think that is worth taking a few extra seconds and making sure it's the right call. Jesse, I mean, there's no way to know this, but do you think that call is made if that game isn't in San Jose? Um, I, to be honest, I don't think that has much to do with it. I do think that the fact that it was 3 nothing. Absolutely had something to do with it. I think if that game is one to one and we're going down the stretch in a game seven, there's absolutely no way that they are giving Cody Eakin five minutes in a tie game. I think they thought it was the game's in control. This isn't a big deal. We need to keep this in hand because you know how it is sometimes with playoff games that are. It's, I mean, it was three nothing with ten minutes left. It was almost getting into that territory where guys are just going to start hitting each other. Yeah, and I think they wanted to avoid that ahead of time. They were trying to get out ahead of that, and um, they didn't think this call would have much of an effect, as most people probably wouldn't. <laughs> and then the Sharks scored four straight and ended the Golden Knights season. Mm, yeah, we can, I think we can all dream of, of uh, an NHL where they officiate the game the same no matter the, the circumstance, but that'll probably never happen. I want to dive back into something you mentioned earlier. Their PK had been pretty good in this series what was the explanation from the team? How the heck do you give up four goals on one power play with half a period left to move on to the next round? Yeah, this team has had one of the best penalty kills in the NHL all season. Um, prior to that penalty kill, I think they had allowed four goals on like 33 power plays for the Sharks, which is one of the best power plays in the league. They've been great. I will say this. Um, you're already without Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who is your number one penalty face-off center that kind of blocks all your shots. He was injured for the game, and he had played the first six games of the series. He missed that game. And then you take out the guy who would replace him in Cody Eakin, and now your your penalty kill is a little thinner than you would like. And it's, obviously, it's a five-minute penalty kill, so you're using more guys than you normally would on only a two-minute one. So... I think that hurts them, and then I also just think I can't even describe to you the momentum swing in that building. It was unbelievable. I, I will never see anything like it in my life probably again. I mean, it went from just a morgue. They had already the fans had already decided like the Sharks are done, the season's over. We're we're kind of just going to enjoy this last ten minutes of our season, and it was silent in the building. And then when they score that goal seven seconds into that power play. It just changed everything. Um, they thought they had a chance. The building erupted. And I, and I honestly think if the Golden Knights could have just killed a minute or two before that first one, things wouldn't have. It, it, they had to score that in that first seven seconds, and they did. And it completely changed things, and they just got rolling, and everything they seemed to throw at the net went in. Um, it, was, it was insane. I, I can't even break it down from a analytical perspective. I think the Sharks, just everything was going right. Um, and, and being at home obviously helped. That building was rocking. You mentioned Jonathan Marcheseau, and I thought his comments after the game were really candid. And I mean, I thought he, I thought he 
he, given the situation, handled it about as well as he possibly could. I mean, he addressed the fact he didn't want Pavelski to be hurt, but he also, you know, he he, he was pretty emotional, and I thought he was he was as collected as you could possibly be. How, how did the rest of the team handle such a, an odd circumstance? Yeah, we didn't honestly talk to that many guys. Fleury was his he, – he wasn't his jovial self, but he was very professional about it. Mark Underswood handled it pretty well. Max Pacioretty – um, he had it pretty pretty well together. To be honest, most of the guys didn't want to comment on the, on the penalty. Um, like McNabb said, no comment. Uh, Pacioretty said he didn't see it and doesn't want to talk about it. Um, the only guy that really wanted to talk about the penalty was Marcia So, and and I knew that as soon as Marcia So walked into the locker room, I stopped what I was doing and went straight to him because that he's he's kind of the fiery guy on this team. So I, I had a feeling he would be the best to talk to, and uh, he was, and 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 he's kind of been that that for this team all season on and off the ice both seasons actually um when they need someone to get fiery he's the guy and i and i think he stepped up and like you said i think he handled it about as well as you can expect under the circumstances as long as we have you do you expect any significant changes to this team in the off season all of their key players are pretty much locked up but are they happy with their blue line is currently constructed yeah you look at their defensemen and you and and that, it's the same thing here in town. It's like, man, they don't they don't really have that great of defenseman. Nate Schmidt is a good guy, but is he is he a top shutdown guy? Brady McNabb is solid, but I think George McPhee is is likes the way his defense plays as, as a unit more than the guys, the individual players. They were top five in pretty much every defensive category: shot attempts allowed, high danger chances allowed, scoring chances allowed. They they were really really good this year. So I don't expect much. The one thing that they do have to figure out is William Carlson is a restricted free agent, and he's probably going to get paid quite a bit. And this team is pressed against that cap. They've got less than a million dollars to work with. And obviously it's going to take a lot more than that to sign William Carlson. So I see some moves coming. Um, Cody Eakin's got a really high contract. He's, he he could be bumped down to a fourth-line center when Eric Haller returns. So that's he's, he's making over $3 million. That's probably a little more than you'd like to pay your fourth-line center. I could see him being moved to open up space to, to sign William Carlson long-term. Maybe Colin Miller is a guy that a lot of people have talked about. Toronto has interest um, in a right-handed defenseman with a big shot that can run the power play. I think that he may be, end up being a cap casualty and may end up getting moved. Um, and then you let Nick Haig, who's their phenomenal defensive prospect, that's playing in the AHL right now. He could come up and be a cheap replacement for that. So uh, Ryan Reeves is another guy who's, who's probably getting paid a little more than he should be. He could be a cap casualty. I don't know which of those guys they'll move, but I think that at least one of them may have to, to be traded this offseason just to make room for William Carlson. Jesse Granger has been a very weird playoff so far, and, and nowhere has it been weirder than it was in, in Game 7 between Vegas and San Jose. We appreciate the time and the insight, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, thanks Jesse. Good luck with clean-out day today. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. That's, uh, that's Jesse Granger right there. What, a, what an odd circumstance. Uh, I don't remember a lot of games like that. No, but then I don't remember any postseasons like this postseason. All right. So what do we make of the uh, Cody Eakin call? Oh, it's, it's the wrong call, period. Mm-hmm. Um, if this, it's, it's a cross-check, sure. Like it's, I'm fine with it with the two minute penalty, as Jesse said. But that's it. Like that's that's all it should be. You you, you can't look at the end result because it's a series of unfortunate events here, from the cross check to then getting checked by the other player, then falling awkwardly hitting his head. It's it's it sucks for Pavelski, and obviously everybody's priority number one is concerned about the health. But it wasn't a malicious hit. 
And no. you can't give out five-minute majors in any game, particularly a postseason game, but in any game. Game seven. For a random hit that has a bad event. I mean, to me, it's like if you trip a player, normally, like, you know, stick in skates, and he falls, slides, and then hits his head on the boards. That doesn't become a five-minute major. It's a normal penalty that an unfortunate incident happened. Yeah. And just it completely changed the complexion of this entire postseason. Yep. I just you can't make that call. It needs to be reviewable. Um, again, I think a lot more things need to be reviewable, especially when they're they're that big of an impact. I mean, even in the the Capitals game, game seven, the puck over glass, which should be reviewable. Yeah, what happened? They, they there? missed. They missed a clear one on Washington, <laughs> and like, and by That's the way, the easiest call to make. They've huddled up twice. So at that point, when you're huddling up. Is it that much more time to then just re- review it? No. That that's the argument that it's going to take so much extra time. But but regardless, if, if all majors, just like a, just like a targeting penalty in college football, all majors should be reviewable. I, I thought uh, first of all, I thought Jesse made a good point, and I, I thought this as it was happening, and then I forgot it until he just said it because there was the the two thoughts that that I kind of had were, and Jamie verbalized this the other day too. It's like. If that game's not in San Jose, maybe maybe the crowd doesn't influence them to look around and be like, look, this guy's on the ice, he's hurt, and the crowd's going crazy. Let's just give him the five minutes. And I know Jesse said that maybe wasn't part of it. That I, I do think played a role is it was 3 nothing. I think they thought, like, okay, we'll just get this game under control. It's not going to matter. When does a team score four goals on a five-minute power play? But I do disagree. I do think it matters. Because he also talked about the high stick on Couture. That also happened in San Jose. Yeah, Those calls become easier to make... When you are worried about a reaction from the crowd around you, it's just human nature. I don't think either one of those calls would have been made if they were in Vegas. Um, definitely the five. Not, minute. not the five minute portion. Yeah, I, 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 I do think home ice had something to play with that. But yeah, I agree that there was. There's definitely an element of like it's not going to matter. Like let's just do what we think is the right thing, even though we don't know it's the right thing. To the point on the review, though, it feels like, and I heard this argument brought up yesterday. That's a review that would take like 15 seconds. You'd yes. see he didn't cross-check yeah. him in the face. I, and I like Jesse's suggestion there, too. For five-minute majors, that's, you're, you're putting a team at a major disadvantage. Why not? You know, yeah. I, I know some people, Sean McIndoe is against reviewing that situation. I, I don't mind it in that situation. You know what I want to see? Officials with, like, Google Glass, you yeah. know, just flip up the glasses like cool shades on their forehead. And yeah. then when they need to, they just flip them down and watch and... They can make you want to give them an even smaller screen to look at for replays? Well, you know, it's 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 close. <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. It's not the edge. To me, they until we now. get to the point where we actually insert the chip it's in their head. I know leagues have intended to do this, but there's also nothing wrong with saying we're going to make some different rules for the playoffs. Things, yeah. We're going to allow more things to be reviewed in the playoffs than we are in the regular season. I'm so, that's perfectly okay. It is. We, Get the call right. I, I, we don't have to pretend every game is created equal. If you're saying, look, we don't want to go through a regular season with all that, fine. But in the postseason, puck over glass, five-minute majors, anything that could be borderline should be reviewable when somebody's season is on the line. And we have already established that the officials do not officiate the same way in the playoffs that yeah. they do in the regular Especially season. Not so overtime. why the heck don't we extend it to review? I counted it. Eight just blatant minor penalties in that overtime period between San Jose and Vegas that they just ignored. Yeah, which again, which is fine, as long which as is great, as long except as you call it. the five minute major that completely changed the complexion of everything. But that's that's a slippery slope because we're all I feel like we're all cool with uh, yeah, let them play in overtime. Let them move. But if it's delay of game, that's always called except last night because it's so blatant and obvious and yeah. it, it's just black and white. Yeah. So then it's like. Is it more egregious that a guy was trying to clear the zone and the puck skipped on him and went over the glass, or that somebody else cross-checked somebody in the chest? You know what I mean? But they'll let that go in overtime. Right. 
I, I know that the argument is we don't want to get to a point where we're reviewing everything, but a five-minute major in Game 7, there has to be a way to write the rule where that is included in what you can review, and it doesn't bog the game down. Right. Hey, hey how about giving the referee some discretion where he, he, he can just apply reason to the situation and say, you know what? Five-minute major, game seven, ten minutes, whatever it was left in the game. Yeah, we should probably take a look at this one. Like one it referee's challenge. doesn't take a lot of processing and thought no. to, to come up with that conclusion. Because yeah. it would have taken 30 seconds. Yeah. That's, maybe that's what it is. It's a referee's challenge where the ref just has to admit, like, hey, we huddled up. We don't know. Once a game, if we have to in the playoffs, we yeah. can do this. Just just let them help themselves sometimes. Like, there's a lot of things. Help that they me can. help you. There yes. Again, if you're going to huddle up, which which we saw like in Game Seven of of the Capital Series, two times they huddled up in overtime. That's not going to take that much longer just to review the play. No, like I'm sorry, and also in like an overtime period, I, those teams would be welcome a little bit of a thirty second or a minute break since they don't get much. So yeah. It's only got that one stoppage. So, I don't. To me, it's just when your season's on the line, that is more important. Craig right. is giving you the wrap it up sign. No, let's, Jamie. let's go around the horn here. I want to I want to take a look at some of these other teams that are out of the playoffs and and get some final thoughts from you guys on them. Okay, let's start with Nashville. Hmm. Just, it's a team I don't know we, where they go from. Here. I just, don't either. It's a team we looked at all year and just said something's not quite right. You're talking and, and, about trading PK Subban? Yeah, I don't, I don't think get. that's where you should go. <laughs> yeah, I don't get. I, I don't get that. I just. I don't. I don't know what to do with this team. It just—they've been searching for the answer to they don't have a top center. Yeah. They tried with Johansson and Turris to kind of see if we can get two guys that to fill out one spot. It hasn't worked. Their power play was an abomination to watch. I, I'm insulted by just watching it. I'm offended. <laughs> they wasted your life two months at a time. Um, they would have scored. They would have given up a shorthanded goal and not scored on that five minute major if they were in that situation. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know. Like this team. This team's blue line is still. Elite, but they need dynamic players. That's why I thought Artemi Panarin was the perfect fit for this mm-hmm. team at the trade deadline. They need dynamic players. Of course, Columbus went all in, and now we think that was pure genius because they're going <laughs> to the Cup final. <laughs> they might. This, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying with with Toronto, and and again, to me, this makes it so much more egregious that Washington lost. Nashville must look around right now and be like. So many other favorites oh lost. Oh my god, this, this was, was the chance. year. <laughs> but the thing is, that's what makes it so much worse with Washington. All those other favorites had already lost when Washington mm-hmm. lost their game. At least Nashville went out a little bit earlier. Right. We've got a clear path to a repeat. Let's just kind of coast through this game <laughs> right, against hey, Carolina. Yeah. They should have done the storm surge on Washington's ice. They should only do it now when they eliminate a team. I think Nashville is in that spot where they're just going to be a background contender. Like this will be a good team each of the next few years, but they I don't know what the equivalent would be in another sport, like Oklahoma City and basketball or something, where it's like, oh, they're they'll be there in the playoffs every year. You don't necessarily want to play them in the first or second round. They're not winning the championship. There's too many sure, other yeah, teams. I'm the comp. Yeah, I just I'm just not excited about them and they did they can't ratchet up the offense when it matters or even sometimes when it doesn't matter. They just they, you, uh, like when they're not playing? Is that when it doesn't matter? <laughs> well, even the regular season, like, it's, it's not like this team goes on these huge offensive runs. And you're like, oh, well, if they're able to replicate these two weeks in the postseason, yeah. they're just kind of there. We've like, been saying that all year, though, with them specifically. They didn't have it this year. They were good. They won that division, but yeah. they just never had it. You, you never had the sense that they were going to go on a run in the playoffs this particular year. Uh, maybe the start of the year. Because I think that was wasn't that your pick, Craig, to win the West. Mm. I mean, everybody's picks are out now, so it doesn't yeah, yeah, now matter. doesn't matter. Um, all right, well, my pick originally to win the West, and I, before I switched it to San Jose midseason, which means they're done in the next round, was Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. That was my pick in the preseason, too. Where do they go from here? 
Well, well they, they have a lot of questions. They, they have sure some RFAs. They yeah, have Jacob a Trubo. lot of contract issues. That like this this kind of feels like this was the window's not closed, but it's it's going to close a little bit after this year. Like this this was their their biggest window to get. It was the last two years. Didn't quite pull it off. So Kevin Hayes is a UFA. He's probably gone. Yeah. Tyler Myers is a UFA. What do you do there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jacob Truba, Truba is an RFA. You've I don't know I don't know how that plays out either because he already made five point five. That was his cap hit anyway. And you've got some other questions on your blue line as well. So you got a you got a lot of decisions to make if you're Winnipeg. And if you looked at the underlying numbers for this team down the stretch, really for a significant stretch in the second half of the season, they were not good. They no. had major issues. And it was really troubling and surprising. I, I, I don't even know how to explain what happened to Winnipeg down the stretch. But this yeah. team was not good for a very long time. Oh, and by the way, Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor are also restricted free agents. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of money that needs to be spent in Winnipeg just to even construct a team that was fairly disappointing this year. They are a team that's going to get more expensive without getting better. Correct. They're going to get more expensive just to keep what they have. But they, they are the one that, that really does perplex me um washington's still the most in the playoffs at their performance winnipeg ran into maybe the hottest team in st louis so they were the hottest team after january 1st so i don't know the winnipeg has huge problems but it did sort of strike me down the stretch i mean they had problems in the regular season they almost looked like winnipeg remember two years ago when we were all wondering if paul maurice was going to get let go and mm-hmm. then they gave him the extension and all of a sudden they were great last year they were like the underachieving jets again yeah, that's kind of weird. Mm, that may be who they are. We, maybe the the season when they went deep was the anomaly. Yeah, and that's really troubling. <laughs> isn't it, sh- it? it shouldn't have been though. They it, are no, built. You, you can't figure team. it out when you look at this team. You no. really can't figure it out. But that's who they've been most of their history, right? Yeah, yeah. If if they don't turn it around next season, which is, it's going to get infinitely harder. Yes, like this. These again, the last two years were your the easiest window for you, where you had everybody under contract. You could you could make some moves. This was the moment. Now it's going to get a lot harder. You're probably again like Toronto. You're still going to be very good, but you're probably going into next season worse than you were going into this season. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as worried about. Win- I think Winnipeg, if they navigate this off season the right way, if they if they can do it in such a way where they don't lose, they're not going to lose Line A, but like Kyle Connor's thirty plus goals every year so far. Uh, if if they don't lose any of their key pieces, they might still be my favorite in the West going into next year. But I think they were in almost the best position of anybody coming into this season, and yeah. they are not there now. But here's here's my question. I don't know if any of us is going to have the answer to this. We're talking about all these windows that are closing. Whose window's opening right now? Colorado. Yeah. I think I think Calgary's window is still opening. Colorado, um, which also has a top four pick in the draft. Yes. And might win the cup. Uh, Colorado, no. Calgary. I, again, I don't think Calgary's going to put up as many points as the next year, but I think they still have a couple years here that they're going to be a contender. They don't have a goalie, if, though. If, but if they can Winnipeg their way into a goalie. Winnipeg didn't have a goalie two years ago. Like, and They I, didn't, but three years ago, Hellebuck was good. Yeah, it, it was. it's very strange. And again, it's not easy. It's like nonlinear progression. But huh. What's that? Well, there, there's, Explain that concept to me. I can't. It's not real. Okay. We'll see what happens. There are. I mean, do you believe that Robin Lehner is a product of the system or that he figured something out? I thought you were going to quote Because he's a free right agent. There. So I mean, like they're. they're <laughs> he said, "Do you believe? <laughs> Do you believe?" No, don't. I didn't Lander say you after should. Trots, oh, no. After trots, after trots, after trots, after trots. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the end of this podcast oh, forever. Man. Jamie's singing today. I don't feel like I have to sing anymore. You're supposed to sing. Well, I don't feel like I can follow that. You can't follow that up. Right? Right. Right. Nothing. He's doing share covers. You huh? could just throw up on the microphone and sound yeah. better. But, but if if they get hot goaltending, if yeah. they find somebody somewhere at some point in the season that can get hot. 
Calgary is just as much a contender as anybody else in the West next year. Calgary, uh, we've got a Darcy Kemper. Are you interested? Well, let's let's get to Calgary then, because they're the next team on the uh, on the okay. list of of teams that are eliminated. So, I mean, that was a good transition there. You, you I know, thank you. No, not you. Somebody else. <laughs> you feel better about uh, Calgary going into next year than Winnipeg? No, but I think it's close. <laughs> Okay, but here's you know. but they're just different teams. Like I think Calgary's oh, got a. Okay, <laughs> I think Calgary's got like there. You said which teams' windows are opening, and yeah. I still think Calgary's window is opening. It is uh, okay. Okay, how about James Neal being signed for four more years? <laughs> Was he signed this just year? Saying I, I, exactly. I don't know where he, he went. Seven goals. And that, none in the playoffs. That one I don't get. Because he was good as soon as late last season. What happened what? to James Neal? That's the biggest drop-off in the league this mm. year, right? Mm. That's not a sophomore slump. That is a, hey, guess what? Your 10th year, you're just going to take it off. Yeah, you're, or you're just done. Yeah, I, I, that's... <laughs> and you could be looking at four more years of that. That's Nobody's great. taking that contract. Not great. No, they're not. 32-year-old James Neal? With four years left at five point seven five, yeah, I'll that's pass. interesting though. Do you like it? Wasn't a terrible deal at the time either. Like it just he just stopped playing. He he completely disappeared off the face of the earth. But I do wonder how much of that if you're if you're Calgary, can you sell that as you know what this isn't a great fit? We'll eat some of this contract. Can can you trade that deal if you eat some of it? With four years left. I don't know, man. I mean, if you, you, you ate half, maybe, but like, I don't know if you get. What are you getting? Yeah, rid of him and. Cap space, I guess. I guess so two and a half million of cap space. I just I can okay. think of a lot of teams that would take a flyer on a guy that has scored forty goals in this league before. But I just think it's so more likely you just year. you sit back and hope he can turn something around. Yeah. I want to read this question from Straight Shooter McBlubbin. Oh, we're going to listener questions. Well, just this one because again, You're sprinkling it fits. them. In. I'm fitting them in where necessary. Okay. okay. Which Canadian fan base would be the easiest to suffer through when slash if? They eventually break their cup drought. Oh, well, we just answered it. Calgary. Yeah, Calgary. Calgary. It's easily Calgary. It's From, clearly not Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver. Or Winnipeg. Vancouver burned the city down. We yes. already know yeah. that, so we wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, they burn their or city Winnipeg, down when yes. they lose. And we don't want to see Winnipeg either. So it's it's really between Calgary and Edmonton and... Ottawa. Hey, Ottawa is oh, still Ottawa. a team. Uh, Ottawa. Hey, would be okay if Ottawa... I'd yeah, okay I mean, whatever. Ottawa. That would be everybody's reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, Ottawa? Oh, yeah. That, they're oh, still yeah, in the league. That's right. Forgot. Remember they, 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 they haven't been relegated? Yeah. <laughs> Were they in the Eastern Conference final like two years ago? Yeah, well, it wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, I'd go Calgary or Ottawa. I'd the, be okay with either yeah, one. Edmonton would be bases. Edmonton would be tough because I, I think the fans. This is like the difference between like the fans and the organization. Like the fans, I think deserve something for this abomination that has been this Oilers team for a decade. Yeah, but, but also, also that organization doesn't deserve any more breaks. Nope. nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Edmonton might Edmonton would be much higher on my list if they hadn't just been gifted so many key players. Yeah, so it's not the fans' fault, but I can't. I just can't. I would say Ottawa, then Calgary. Even okay. though, even though I would rather see Calgary win just because of like Bradtree living and and they're a fun team to watch. And, and saying Ottawa, like, come on, it's never going to happen. So it's kind of like saying like a unicorn floating past that window. Is is something we could tolerate? Jamie did look. I want, I want the record to, to know. Like, wait, wait, there is one. Even with the shades drawn, yeah, he did. He still looked. Oh, he he was uh, he was intent. Uh, Pittsburgh and Tampa. We talked about last week because yeah. it was very clear that they were just mailing it in at that point. Pittsburgh's cup window is closed. Sorry, Luke. You don't have to apologize. You still haven't come up with a, an equivalent of the cowbell. It's going to be a boat horn, so everybody has to suffer when we but talk again, about this again. You got to come come up with something that means Pittsburgh. The cowbell. Is Mrs. O'Leary's cow? What does steel sound like? See, 
Go with that. Is Work it? that angle. Is that is that better? <laughs> Work that angle. <laughs> no, I hope I came across so much. Oh, okay. Should I put the mic down there and hit hit the mic? No, I don't think that's uh, it's not the listener's fault that the Penguins are done. Um, there's not really much to say about them. I, I I was listening back to some of what we said last week, and I think Craig nailed it. They may have been the worst team in the playoffs. Record wise, they weren't. Uh, they actually had a good record this season. If you take a step back and say, like, oh, they had to fight to get one of the top three spots in their division. If you just take a step back, they had a good record. Crosby had a great year. Um, he should be a Selkie finalist. I don't yeah, totally know why he is. He was. He was for me. I, I did vote him a finalist. I was I, surprised by that. I, I don't like, – I, and I know we see this in other sports. We certainly see it in basketball where people are just like, well, okay, Crosby needs to be better than everybody else needs to to win the MVP or whatever. Like I get that the guy just perennially finishes second or third, but he's never won the Selkie and he should be on the very short list. I've even seen like Boston writers say he probably should have been there over Bergeron, which I don't totally know about that. Would you have given it to him? I had him first actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I would have this year. I, I don't know if I had people Mark Stone second, but he he almost does more defensively than often. I know he had 100 points this year, but he basically was the Penguins this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sid masks a lot. He really does. That team is not good. Nope. Um, but, I mean, they have him, so that they're obvious. I mean, they should still be a playoff team, but yeah. They were... It doesn't It doesn't feel like they were in the playoffs this year. You know how you get like to a certain point of the playoffs and they show highlights from the regular season, and you're like, oh, I forgot Buffalo was a team. We're already there with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, they weren't even in the playoffs. And then Tampa, we've touched on that, but um, yeah. do you have any new thoughts this week as far as what they can do? No. No. Okay. No. All right. Um, I'm going to run through some of the. I want to run through Eiserman going to Detroit real quick. Okay. The thing that we've been joking about all year. Yeah. I mean, this was the worst kept secret yeah. ever. A cool story. It is. Uh, keep talking while I try and find this conspiracy <laughs> question because it's great. Oh, I have it. I have it right okay. here. You ready for it? Yep. So Kevin writes in conspiracy theory question I've been waiting to ask until it became official. So Kevin also has known all season this was going to happen. But with Stevie Y going to Detroit, do you believe the same as me that he signed Yanni Gord to kind of screw the lightning so he can offer sheet point to something Tampa couldn't match without giving? <laughs> I have listen. Uh, it's it's an interesting question, but yeah, no, I don't think he went that far. But when we talk about offer sheets from the people that I have spoken to, uh-huh. Detroit is the one team they identify as a team that may offer sheet someone. Yeah. That's, that will be interesting to watch. If, if, if it's Braden Point, that's going to raise a lot of questions. It sure is. It uh, should they, be, by they, the I way. mean, they're not in a great cap situation. Uh, Thomas Vanek comes off the, the books and Nicholas Cromwell comes off the books. Other than that, they, they've got a lot committed, but they do have a little bit of room to, to make a move like that. It, it, and they can also make trades, obviously. But, yeah, the, <laughs> if, if they offer sheet Braden Point, the NHL might have to uh, – Take a second look at that situation. Yeah, I don't know what you do, but I mean, it's it's kind of surprising this hasn't happened before. Maybe not, because I think as a as a successful GM, you're not looking at your next GM job. But I mean, Chiarelli's put Edmonton in a terrible spot. If he ever becomes a GM again, which I don't think he will, he could he could probably pill for the Oilers. Although he's usually on the other end of that. I don't know. That's uh, it, it has seemed inevitable that Eiserman would be in Detroit. I think he's immediately one of the two or three best GMs in hockey again. I think I don't think Detroit will be bad for much longer. And I actually think they have some pieces to work I'll with. I'll disagree on that one. I mean, you're paying Franz Nielsen 5.25 for multiple three more years. You're paying Justin Ablicator for four more years at 4.25, which was a, a disaster of a deal the second it was signed. Yeah, it was. Because he had like two good weeks and they freaked out. Like there, there's there's a decent Darren amount. Home. Yeah, I mean, there's a decent amount of money committed to not just bad hockey players on this team. 
I, I guess I'm just saying, like, I don't think they'll be terrible. Like Danny DeKaiser is you not good. You love the Danny DeKaiser contract. You've been railing on that since Because he's a the bad s- hockey player. Have you watched Danny DeKaiser play uh, hockey? Why would I do that? Well, I have a million a year. Why would I watch Danny DeKaiser play hockey if I didn't have to? And I don't. Um, Vesna and Norris finalists. We're going to do a playoff preview here in just a second. But in hour three of our exhausted. show, in hour three of our show, we will do our playoff preview. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have teased at the beginning of the show we were going to do a should second have, round. Preview. Should have broken this up into two shows. I feel like we've done that before. Oh, yeah. We actually haven't gone that long yet. We are only okay. We're almost an hour in. Okay, um, we haven't even previewed the second round yet. No, real quickly, the Vesna. Are you? How disappointed are you that Kemper's not on that list? Well, look, I didn't have any problem with the finalists, but I thought Darcy Kemper had a pretty strong argument here. And, and the, the the problem that I mentioned last week is, you know, people talked about games played with Antiranta last year, and and maybe making the playoffs matters too. I, I do think that that's a factor in these awards. But when people talk so much about the games played for Antiranta last year, well, Ben Bishop played one less game than Auntie Ranta played last year. Yeah. And people are talking about, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he could win it. I'm not sure if he's going to win it or Vasilevsky's going to win it. Ben Bishop's numbers were ridiculous, though, if you look at them. They were ridiculous. They were. Um, and across the board, not just the you know goals against and the save percentage, which most people look at, but if you look at goals saved above average, if you look high danger save percentage, he was elite in those categories. Yeah, I'm not trying to take away from Bishop, but I sort of had the, the reaction of, I don't know who I feel got screwed over, either Kemper or now retroactively Ranta last year. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, I understood Ranta not being a finalist last year because there is that argument. We've had this conversation before, where it's like, okay, well, McDavid's definitely the MVP because his team made the playoffs, and then the next year, well, McDavid's definitely the MVP MVP because he's look how bad of a team he's on, and he was still good even though they missed the playoffs. You can change the story to fit mm-hmm. your narrative however you want. It just feels like. Now, Ronta wasn't a finalist last year because he's on the Coyotes. He wasn't even in the top nine. He didn't get any votes. I mean, he was probably he was the, the top nine. Yeah. That's nuts. He was probably the best goalie in the NHL last year or second best. Yeah. And he played more games than Ben Bishop. So if you're you know put who Bishop votes in, on this, right? Yeah. I don't even remember. It's the GMs. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think we have, to, we have to, at some point in our own heads for our own awards, determine how much games played matters. Because I think there's no doubt if you look on a game-by-game basis, Ben Bishop was the best goaltender this year. That's fine. 20 goalies played more games than Ben Bishop. That's the thing. He played 46 games. That has to matter. That has to factor into this because part of this is durability, right? Yeah. He was not durable. You cannot tell me Ben Bishop was durable. That was the knock on Ronta last year. He barely played more than half his team's games. That matters. That absolutely matters. Robin Leonard, too. As a finalist. Yeah. Right. And he split duties with Thomas Grice. That's he split other other duties. Games, yeah. I, I think I would. I mean, I'd have Kemper in there over Leonard. Again, I'm not saying that the games played is the only metric to, to measure, but it's an important one. Yeah. Because when you show that you can play, a hev- take a heavier workload, that, that says a lot about you as a goaltender. You have to get up for more games. You're physically tired. If you're getting that much rest, whether through injury or because you're you're playing, you know, splitting duties with another guy. That's an easier situation. Yeah. And even with Vasilevsky, he, he did cross the 50 mark. He played 53. But there were 14 goalies, including Darcy Kemper, that played more games right, than yeah. any Vezina finalist. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's the most important factor, but, I mean, look, not, he didn't deserve it this year, but, you know, Dubnik played 67 games. Carey Price, 66. 
mean, five goal or four, the seven, eight goalies played sixty games or more this year. Right. You, it, look, like, the fifty the fifty game barrier matters to me, and I don't want to. You know, I don't want to say it's the be all end all because if one guy plays fifty one and another plays forty nine, yeah. well, that's not a huge disparity. But I do feel that you should get to that. There should be certain benchmarks for these awards and fifty games. I mean, if you're playing barely more than half your team's games, really, how are you? How are you legitimizing that? It feels like a relief pitcher winning the Cy Young if Ben Bishop wins this year. And, and I, in the moment, I'm more frustrated for Kemper than mm-hmm. I was for Ronta last year. Because, again, you could make the argument to me last year about Ronta not playing enough. The thing with Kemper is I'm a little surprised because I feel like he got more attention nationally this year than Ronta did last year because they were in a playoff race and everything. Uh, and, and he also really hindered some other teams from making the playoffs when they played the Coyotes. So other GMs and other, I mean, if media doesn't vote, it doesn't matter, but other people saw Kemper step up in big games. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I'm interested to see exactly where he finished in Me the voting. Me too. And that should be fourth. Thing. If he's yeah. not, if he's not like top five, yeah, then that's a problem. That's two years in a row that GMs just blew it. Yeah, and we, you know, we always hear the saying, "Well, you know, it, it's the hockey guys who really understand who should win the awards." Well, not in this case. They, they didn't have Ante Ranta top nine. If Darcy Kemper doesn't finish top five, they blew it again. Yeah, because his numbers, again, with those other, when you look at those other numbers, high danger save percentage, uh, he was he was actually a little lower there, but goal saved above average, I believe he was top four. And of guys that played 50 games or more, again, that benchmark, he was first in goals against average and tied for first in save percentage for guys who played 50 or more games. Yeah. <laughs> he basically I mean, carried a team what more for do you, two months. What more can you do? Uh, Norris, real quick. Giordano's winning this. <laughs> We've, we agree on that, right? Yeah. yeah. All the awards winners are out of the playoffs, apparently. So They really are. <laughs> maybe Ben Bishop is yeah. about the only one left. Kucherov's but. out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Ben Bishop wins it. So, uh, it, But it is Giordano, Victor Hedman, and Brent Burns. All right. To the eight remaining teams. Let's uh, let's start with Columbus and Boston. There are left some remaining coaching positions open still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but that was yeah, our but poll last about week. Those teams. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo, Anaheim, Ottawa. Yeah, LOL. Probably Edmonton. Do you think Buffalo or Ottawa will get coaches before next year? No, player coaches. Assuming at some point. I mean, Anaheim, I think it's going to be Dallas Eakins. Uh, Ottawa, who knows where they'll turn. Buffalo may turn internationally. I don't know. We'll somebody see. that's not a retread, please. Like, yeah. can we get some new blood in the coach- in coaching slash and then at some point GM sphere? Craig like, McTavish? That's going to be my suggestion every week until somebody like, rehires him. Like, <laughs> it's it's so odd to me because, I mean, look. The, the, Keith Kretzky as the GM. <laughs> Every league, has, they're doing it. Every <laughs> league has, a, right, God, oh my God! Every league has an element of you bringing back a coach that you, you know you know or you know you. This coach worked for you at some point in your in your run and every. But they're also a lot of these other leagues are way more open to new blood yeah. than the NHL seems to be at the coaching position. Yeah, and considering how quickly they cast off coaches, you think they would just be more willing to try? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you for the for the most part. But like, if Boston wins the cup this year, they will do it with Bruce Cassidy. Pittsburgh winning two of the last three cups did it with Sullivan. Who I mean, the teams that seem to be having success are the ones that seem to be trying something new at the coaching yeah. position. Like bringing some th- bringing a top assistant. Like you don't necessarily have to even look outside of the league. Yeah. But again, I don't have any names in my. Again, I don't watch enough junior ho- major junior hockey to accurately give you a, a a name of a coach there. But try some things. I don't want to see the same coaches that have failed in two or three destinations just get the fail at a fourth one. He does watch Halifax. He does. Yeah. Well, he, the he moose has a wife up there. He does. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, 
Let's start with with uh, Columbus and Boston. We're one we're hour talking about the second round, yes. which has no Canadian teams in it. By the way, one hour and two minutes into the show, mm-hmm. let's start looking at the second round of the playoffs. Okay. Are you going to sing, Craig? Do you want me to sing? Yes, I, I kind of do. Uh, yeah. Listeners I'm demand. Not, I'm not feeling it right now. I don't okay. feel like there's enough build up. That's me. fine. You know, I don't feel like I was given proper love. You just jump. <laughs> Your first My dressing room wasn't up to stuff either. So. <laughs> If, if if people don't know what we're talking about, what was this two years ago when all of Canada completely missed the playoffs yes. and you sang No Canada? Yes. And do you want the audio to put at the end of the show? Do you have it? I think I do. I've also had dairy this morning, which doesn't help the voice. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm making excuses here. Um, if Jamie has the audio, I can just I replay look it, it from, from last time at the end of the show. I, I really only changed two lines, so. Well, either way, it's going to be relevant for the next few weeks. So if you want to save it for next week, that's fine, too, because none of those Canadian teams are coming back. When when we have a uh, maybe a sub one hour show, you mean? That's never going to happen. Probably, probably. isn't. Um, never has happened, has it? Uh, not in a while. Let's let's start with Boston Columbus. We're going to do this the same way we did for the first round where we'll give you the X factor. We're each going to give you one for each team now because there's only eight teams left. Top storyline. And uh, we'll make predictions that will apparently be wrong this year. So with Columbus and Boston, I'll start us off. For me, the storyline is just how far can Columbus take this? Yeah, I'm mine's similar. David looks to slay another Goliath. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, it's just similar vein. Can Columbus match their round one energy in round two? Do they come out with the same fire they did in that series, or are they like, okay, cool, we finally won the first round, we're, we're, we're cool, we're in the next round, and kind of ease off the gas a little bit? And that's the that gets us to the X factor. I wonder about the Jackets' long layoff. Can you sustain that sort of momentum and energy when you've been off so long? That's um, that's a good point, and that's where I think Columbus might get caught because pick <laughs> against Columbus again, even though I didn't want to. I I feel I felt more strongly about Columbus winning in the first round than I do here, partially because of that layoff. I don't think it was smoke and mirrors that they beat Tampa. I think a lot of it was Tampa melting down. As we, it, Craig has detailed this pretty well off the podcast, Boston knows how to push back. When yeah, I never detail it well on the podcast. No. I, I don't know why we don't just record you off the podcast and, and incrementally just dr- put some drops in the show or whatever. That would require me to get drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Columbus goes out there and stuns Boston in Game 1, Boston will respond in Game 2. And once Columbus responded to Tampa's fast start in the first period of that first game, Tampa never they just never fought <laughs> back. No pushback. Boston has made a, a, a history of this all season. Yeah. Actually, they've been a great comeback team all year. So, yeah, you can't ever count them out. I agree with you completely on that. And I'm not reading the regular season records because no. they— Literally mean nothing. They always mean nothing. But they especially why, this year. Why they even put that in the stat line when they're well, talking about it? So which team should I start with the X factors for, Luke? Which team? Here, I'll start with Boston. I'm going to say Jake DeBrusque because I think this will be a more physical series. Uh, I think Charlie Coyle. Uh, I like that he scored three goals in that opening round. Uh, he kind of gets lost in all the other top guys that they have there. But I, I think if they can get some scoring beyond that, those top two lines or top line, I think that could be a big deal. It's funny. I chose the same guy. Did you, Charlie Coyle? Charlie Coyle. They've been Charlie Coyle. They've that's <laughs> a great name to be playing in Boston. It really is. They are just lamenting their fourth line in Toronto right now, and they and, and among other things. They, yeah, that's true. That's another. That's it's another on the list. Part of the people they're blaming, but I don't think it helps them that they look at Boston and Boston really assembled a very deep team, and mm-hmm. yet also knew to use their best players when the game was on the line. Huh. What was what did uh, Zach Hyman have, Jamie? Because you figured oh, out yeah. during the show. So that there was reported that he had a torn ACL. Okay, he played 30 less seconds than Austin Matthews in a elimination game. game you bring back Babcock, Babcock for another season? They probably will. I are you bringing him back? Or if you are the GM, are you bringing him back? He's not your guy. It, my default answer right now is if Joel Quenville was still available, 
and I could get him, no. I think Quenville's a better coach. I'd be interested in Dave Tippett. Those are the two names I'll just keep throwing out. I mean, I can't keep throwing Quenville out there because he's, he's coaching a team. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how Dave Tippett would feel about coaching in Toronto. That's a very odd place, and it's the complete opposite of his personality. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he'd take that talent any day. Uh, yeah. If that job opened up and they talked yeah, to him, you, yeah, you, I think he'd jump at that. But here, <laughs> Sean McAdoo, who is fantastic, of course, writes for The Athletic. Oh. Did you see his tweet? No. About the usage of Matthews and Tavares. Criticize Babcock all you want, but the Matthews and Tavares lines are going to be super fresh for the next game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was just one of the weirdest things because, as we said earlier in the show, Matthews was heating up and they they just voluntarily sat him down. Uh, For Columbus, I had a hard time finding an X factor to, to sort of stay in the same vein that I think this will be a physical series. So I went with Boone Jenner. Who at I times, almost went with him. Did you? He just yeah. likes saying it. I, I like to say Boone Jenner. It's like a brand of whiskey, too, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could say Matt Duchesne, but I, I do think... I think we're going to see more physicality. I think Tortorella's fine playing a physical game. I think Columbus is, but I do think that's advantage Boston at that point. I'm going to go with another name I like to say. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Ooh. Dubois. He's been get, he gets, doesn't get as much attention Dubois. as Duchesne, but he's actually playing more than Matt Duchesne. And Austin Matthews. And again, we had that three-point game. <laughs> I had a three-point game in, in game four, but he's held off the score sheet the other games. I think he could he could be a goal scorer in this series for them. I already gave my X-Factors. Oh. I'm looking forward to this attention, series. Luke? No, well, I didn't know that. Okay, okay. you did, just did it your own but way. I did send you the one minute and 22 second version of No Canada okay, that so I have on file. I will Excellent. be adding that to the end of the okay. uh, the show. Uh, that is my. Can, we, can you dub over the second and third lines because I changed them? So what do you want me to do? How do you want me to dub over it? I don't know. Are you going to sing them in post production? Maybe we'll auto tune. We'll it. see. Some of us have real jobs we have to get Predictions? To. Oh, you do, do you have to cover something today? Is there anything <laughs> going on anything? in the NFL? Is there anything on a Thursday, April 25th? Is there 25th? anything that your station has been talking about for the last... I can't imagine. It's only the... 750 hours? Cardinals. Taking Jack First Hughes. time they've ever taken... Had the first pick. Um, I'm going to mess it up. I'm sorry, what? That's a whole different show. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Boston in seven. Bruins in seven. <sighs> I'm going with the Jackets in seven. Ah, I envy you right now. This is, this is going to be an awesome series. When Columbus wins, I just want it noted, I would have taken Columbus over anybody else in the playoffs. Uh, but no, this is this is actual respect for Boston. I will never trust Tampa. Okay, are you, are you sure you want to do this? Because you left the podcast last or two weeks ago, and then a day later you're like, eh, I really should have taken Columbus yes. over Tampa. Are you sure? I'm not sure about anything anymore. But are you I, sure this, you want, this is what you want your pick to be? I, I trust... Boston. Luke has lost his religion. <laughs> I don't. I can't trust my instincts in the NHL playoffs anymore. I think these are the two most dangerous teams left. Two things to watch: which team stars will outshine the others? Because both, the, both mm-hmm. their stars have been playing well. I know there was some criticism of Boston's top line early on, but they responded. I think Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski is better than anything Toronto threw at Boston, yes. and that's going to make a difference in this series too. I do think Boston has to be better against Columbus than they were against Toronto to win that series. But I, I am a little concerned about the layoff with Columbus, not because I think they're going to lose that mental edge. I do think Columbus, we're going to see this in another series we talk about. I, I do think there's something special about Columbus this year. But to me, the four teams that have a chance of winning the Cup are all playing each other in the, in the second round. So and, That's what we think right now. Yeah, yeah. And then that'll completely change when mm-hmm. it's Carolina and Dallas. So what Jamie says Boston in seven, I say mm-hmm. Boston in seven, Craig says Columbus in seven. Carolina. And the New York Islanders. <laughs> this is uh, boy. This what we is all predicted. Be NBC's just dream scenario. 
Um, hey, at least they're playing in Brooklyn now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get all kinds of shots of the truck. I have no idea who to pick in this series. Oh, I'm taking the Islanders, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, this is this is my storyline for this. Is we're going to see how much momentum plays into a series. The Islanders played four pretty effortless games, and it doesn't seem like they've played in a month and a half. And Carolina just won a huge game, and there is no break in in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like you just stay on the same rotation. Even, even and, though there should in. be a break today, <laughs> even, because they, the league is stupid. Even though the NFL draft first round is going on tonight, and they could have just pushed their games back one night, so they didn't force their fans to choose between game one of who's the one of the good series tonight yeah too. i believe uh the colorado it's columbus San- Bo- is it columbus boston tonight yeah columbus boston yeah. okay and then you know dallas st louis play so you can you know that's fine you can skip that one let's but. let's be clear there are two good series remaining and two eh, series yeah. and this is one of the eh, series well, this is still third of four really for yeah. you this is this is fourth of four for me but uh Carolina hate the Hurricanes. No, why I, do you hate the Hurricanes? It's not the Hurricanes. I don't want to watch the Islanders. Don Cherry, why do you hate them? I I love the Hurricanes story. I, yeah, it's a cool story. Their ownership is uh, yeah, that, that part of it's true. not so cool. Hey, at least um, he's better at this than he is running a football league. Well, yeah, yeah, he okay. may not be the best human being on the face of the earth either. But yeah, that's, okay, uh, yeah on, look, I, I know there's a, this this uh, thread out there about who should I adopt. I don't want to tell any fan who they should root for. You root for whoever the heck you want. I don't yeah. I don't care. There's not one team that you should be rooting for over others because you're a Coyote fan no. or another fan. That's just silly. Colorado, but yeah. Who, root, okay, <laughs> okay. root for whomever you want. Oh, wow. Look at that. Open-ended. Uh, X-Factor? Well, I'll do my storyline. Thanks, Luke. Um, I'm going to go here, Jamie? <laughs> I'm going to go with Ken Volume, Crack Leonard. I think that that's the only chance Carolina has in this series. I didn't even get to put it in my top storyline. Well, uh, we're still going. Like, who's, who's, who's running this thing anyway? Uh, Not anybody three hours into the show. Well, Leonard's faced less than 30 shots a game when he started. Obviously, Carolina puts a ton of shots from literally everywhere, and a lot of them not good. But can volume get to Leonard? I don't think so, but that's my storyline. I, I believe, and somebody can correct me, because I, I probably ultimately am wrong, but Jamie and I were going over this real quick as the game was going last night. The only two former Coyotes I can remember in the playoffs right now are in the series, and Jordan Martinook and Thomas Grice. Yeah. Thomas <laughs> Grice. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's, I mean, the top storyline for me, that this is two teams that nobody had in the playoffs at the start of the season. Nobody predicted these teams would make the playoffs. We well, had, very uh, few. I think Carolina. We I thought, did not, actually. I, didn't, you didn't have I did not have Carolina in the playoffs. We, we had them, Jamie and I had them in the playoffs. I did not have the Islanders I barely. in the I thought Carolina no. would make a late surge. No pun intended. Uh, and just surge. missed the playoffs. A late surge and stormed the playoffs. So the, during, <laughs> they were going to pull a hurricane. Yes. Uh, and the Islanders, yeah, no, I didn't see that coming from a mile away. Yeah. No. I just, it's crazy. I, it's crazy. One of these teams is going to be in the conference final. I don't want to watch what? the Islanders anymore. It's, it's a yeah, cool story. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I love Barry Trotz, so I, do. I wouldn't mind that. And it, it's he just won the cup, though. It's just, yeah, but seriously, I mean, it, how how stupid is Washington feeling right now? Very, very. They're out of the playoffs, and oh, Barry Trotz just took over a team that everybody had at the bottom of the East, and they might be moving on to the conference final. So I'm going to double up on my X Factor for Carolina. I'm going to go Nino Niederreiter again. I know he was a great. You just like names. Yeah, I do. It's all about names with you, Nino. Nino. He wasn't Nino. incredibly productive in round one, but boy, he had the puck on his stick a lot. Can you just stop and say Nino Niederreiter just five times? Fast? Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter. Oh, well, that was amazing. It was the most impressive thing I, Jamie's ever done. Yeah, I've peaked. Is that how you got your nine wives? Just by saying Nino Niederreiter a lot? Only the one in Rally. 
Uh, Justin and the Williams one in St. Paul is clearly the X factor in any series St. he plays. Paul, that's in. a new one. We didn't know about that yeah, one. Yeah, I should be Maybe writing these down. Ten. Halifax, St. Paul. We have no idea. Uh, Mobile. Mobile, definitely. Yes, we know that. So I'm writing them on this piece of paper in the studio, and then somebody's going to come in here and record the next podcast of the Arizona Sports and be like, "Why are these random cities written down on this page?" <laughs> uh, Justin Williams is the X factor. Ditto. <laughs> he's earned it. Ditto. Yeah. I've got him down as my mm-hmm. X factor, and for me, the Islanders, that fourth line. Oh. We have talked a lot about how good that fourth line is. Casey Zizekas in particular, I think that line could have a big impact in this series. That seems like somebody Jamie would pick as his X-Factor just because of the name. Almost. I'm not going with the, the Austin. I'm going with Josh Bailey's goal scoring because uh-huh. he is not known as – he's normally in a, a pass-first guy. He scored three goals in that first-round series. If he can score goals, I think that, that's really, really strong for the Islanders. I'm a moron who picked Pittsburgh in the first I round. And I don't know why. I also don't know why I just set Jamie up and looked at him as if to say, hey, here you go. He probably just looked at the Islanders roster and said, yeah, this can't happen, right? But – I no, I mean it was because Murray was playing better, but mm. the X factor in that series for me was Jordan Eberle, and it will be the X factor in the series as well. He is he's he absolutely fit that mold of a guy who underachieved over the course of the season. But once you get in the playoffs as a player like that, you can you can kind of reset and say, yeah, I underachieved during the rest of the the regular season, and look, my team got here anyway. What happens if I start scoring? So to me, he might be the overriding X factor in the series because mm-hmm. I I could see him going on a run. You guys are going to make picks on this one first because I have I'm absolutely willing to concede whatever I pick in this series will be wrong. Uh, Islanders in seven, same. I'm just, I'm just going to go with the defense over offense. Here. Wait, way to make your picks in the span of one second. So I only well, have any time. You've only had all night. Trying to shorten this podcast. Yeah, you can't shorten this podcast. You can't silence <laughs> us, Craig. Um, I'm going to come back to that series with my pick. Okay, so going to come back to it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for preparing for the show, Luke. How, how do you prepare for a series Carolina and the Islanders? You pick Come one. back to it? You got a 50-50 shot just at this. Just make a pick. For Sto- th- it's just a dart. prediction. It means nothing. I don't want to be wrong people anymore. People get so worked well, up about their, whether their predictions were right or wrong. If Who it, cares? If it makes you feel better, predictions you're going, are predictions. You're going to be wrong again Islanders. at some point in your life. Islanders. So, okay. In? Um, that, that's where I'm having the hard time. So seven, I'm assuming, since you're not. Game seven would be in wherever the Islanders Brooklyn are playing their games now. Yeah, only because Carolina's so good at home. I would I would say six, yeah. but uh, Carolina they they are so yeah. Islanders and seven. This might be another. This is another one for your favorite uh, playoff phrase that the series doesn't start until the home team loses. I hate that phrase. One I of hate these teams it. is going to be a conference finalist. What one of these? I sort teams of circle back be a two months finalist. ago where I said crazy. the I need we need to find the audio from two months ago where I said the Islanders are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and you guys laughed at me. I was yeah, thinking that, to pick Carolina. when I thought the Caps were going to win that last round, I was thinking this was the prove it series for the Islanders because as as I mentioned and you brought up earlier, I, I decided that Pittsburgh was the worst team in the playoffs. Yeah, but now I mean the Islanders could slide into the Conference Final and it <laughs> yeah. Columbus Islanders at all at this point? No. Wait. So did we all take the Islanders? We did, and we all took Boston except Craig took Columbus. I took Columbus. Okay. Yeah. So all is two of you. <laughs> all two of us. All right. Uh, well, you weren't here for the first part of the podcast. Where we had seven other panelists. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Was Matt here? Uh, no, he's coming in after we dub all of Jamie's stuff out. <laughs> okay. Wait. What? Huh? Colorado and San Jose. This is the other great series. Oh, I thought we were going to save the best for last. Okay. We are. <laughs> uh, Colorado, San Jose, I love this series. Whoever wins this series should go to the Stanley Cup. I think San Jose has something special this year. Through you now. They should have been out in the first round. Yes, exactly. But they should have. But that's the thing. You get a win like that that you didn't really deserve. 
And, and I give him a ton of credit for coming back down 3-1 against a Vegas team that never seems to tighten up. You know what? One last thing on Vegas, I'll still give them the credit. This has been their identity now for two seasons. They never seem like the moment is too big for them where they get like super stressed out, as we've seen other, like Tampa, do. Even after San Jose got those four goals, March so tied it. Yeah, that yeah. is pretty cool. That which, was awesome. Which, by the way, with six forwards on the ice, which we should see more often, that's yes. Go Amen. for it. Exactly. Yes. Go for the win. It's the playoffs. Who are the guys that are used to scoring? Let's yes. put them on the ice. And it worked. I think he's a terrific coach. I, I kind of miss. I certainly miss that that series with with yeah. even Gallant and DeBoer going after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's weird. That's um, fun. I like that. Hockey needs more of that. It, yeah, yeah. Hockey needs more of this series too. I think the series is going to be outstanding. Have sharks. Well. Yeah, this this is the one that I'm most excited to watch without a doubt. My my uh, my storyline is more of a question of is this the Stanley Cup? That's where I'm at. We have no idea at this point. Let's in this postseason of all postseasons, who knows? Don't answer my storyline. Okay. My my storyline is I feel like Chicken tonight. Well, and this is this sort of gives away who I'm picking as well, but I feel like this postseason is Nathan McKinnon's coming out party. People need to recognize we, we talked about this off the air. He may be the second plus best player in the game. Yeah. He is that good. He is a ridiculous player, a difference maker. And toward the end of that last series. He played as well as anybody I've ever yeah. seen play. Calgary didn't have an answer for him. No. No. And I, I'm, my storyline's along the same path. Is this, is this the beginning of Nathan McKinnon becoming the face of the league? Yeah, I don't know that they would let that happen with McDavid in the league. But, but he's McDavid's right not going to be in the playoffs. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, can, you, you can have two. Hey, Connor, you'll be our regular season <laughs> face. But you can have two. I Put mean, on your regular season face, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> if you had Crosby and Ovechkin, I mean, like, frown. You, you can do two. Does now, a pout. Yeah. I just realized we have listener questions. Should we do those on a different show? Uh, well, we can get to we'll them get after to we finish previewing since we're three series in. Uh, X-Factors. So I'm going to start with the Sharks. Okay. okay. Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell. Martin Jones will not be finishing this series. You start picking goalies <laughs> for X-Factors, too. I know. That's why I'm picking a backup. <laughs> okay. Aaron well, Dell, because I, I do not think Martin Jones makes it to game three in this series woo. as a starter. Okay. I'm along those lines because my, mine is a Wizard of Oz reference. Martin Jones. Good witch or a bad witch? Oh, wow. Which accent. will he be? Which which will he be? Which which will, which, he, which be? will he be? Uh, Not a sponsor of the show, but can be. Yeah, absolutely can be. Getting hungry. Good Ooh. sandwiches. Yeah. Um, I'll say Joe Pavelski, who has had a yeah. brutal... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's had a brutal first round, health-wise, and yet here we are in the second round of the playoffs. I mean, and he, he, this might be his last run with the Sharks. Typically, when the Sharks are winning big games, it's because of him. I still think he's one of the more more underrated players in the NHL. He's not like at the top of the list anymore, but um, he's the X factor for San Jose. For Colorado, it's tougher to find a Colorado X factor. I went with Kale McCarr just because we don't know what what we have in him yet, and he stepped in and scored in his first game, and that's that's a guy they didn't have mm-hmm. even at the beginning of that last series. To me, I looked at their second line. I bet Carl Soderberg. I, th- I think they need more scoring on that line. Soderberg has traditionally completely disappeared in the postseason. Yeah. One goal, nine points in 25 postseason games. Only had one assist in the first round. They need more from him. If he's going to play the minutes he's going to play, especially if he's going to play with one of the, the top wingers being on that line, he really, really needs to produce more. So I just expanded that to secondary scoring. The Cavs okay. have to keep that up. Yeah. You, you have to have that to win in the playoffs, and they're going to get the goaltending. Philip Grubauer is... He's just playing at another level right now, and they have the high-end stars, so they need to make sure they're getting that secondary scoring. The si- Carl Soderberg, the fact that his nickname in Boston was Soda Bug because of the Boston accent and David Pasternak's nickname is Pasta is two of my favorite things about the NHL. Um, predictions. I'll go first. Colorado in six. 
Colorado and six. Colorado oh. and six. Wow. Well, really? All of us. I, th- I, I swore you guys would take the Sharks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, okay. I wonder. I, I do. I wonder. Colorado is definitely losing. I wonder now. about mm-hmm. the Sharks' legs. They just played seven games, went to overtime. You want to? They tell have won three I? straight, but they're. I mean, they. <laughs> sharks don't have legs, Craig. Well, they're old. They're an older Not team. Not anymore. Oh, you, oh okay. I'm you sorry. Made, yeah, and sorry. And I worry about their tired fins. <laughs> I, I, I and I'm just as worried about Martin Jones now as I was two weeks ago. Like those concerns have not been assuaged. When you well, say sharks tine- can't swim on ice either, no. Should we just keep going with this? When you say tired fins, awful. do you mean Jonas Donskoy, or are you talking uh, about? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You were making a, a potentially valid point. Yeah, I just the sharks are an old team, yeah. and they just played a seven game series that went OT in Game Seven. They're just going to turn right around. I know they won three straight and they've got some momentum, but they should have lost that last game. The but playoffs hurt. Yes, the playoffs are a grind. Goaltending they are a grind. Trash. At some point, that catches up to you. I think Colorado can score at will when they need to. And, yeah, it and, feels and I, like it, doesn't it? I can't find the exact question, and, yeah. or I can't find who asked it, but somebody asked us, would if the Coyotes had gotten in, would they have beaten Calgary or San Jose? I no. don't think so, because I don't think they could score enough. I, I think they would have beaten Nashville. Good. I'm going to stick with that. Okay, yeah, I, I, I would take them over Nashville. And and sort of were possible, yeah, yeah. Sort of what you were saying that they they don't score enough. I just think Colorado won that series against Calgary because in at least two of the games they needed a goal with two minutes left and got it both times. The Coyotes can't score on cue yet. Twenty five teams in the NHL can't score on cue, but Colorado can. Yeah. So Colorado and six, all three of us. There we yeah. go. And now for the series we've all been waiting for. <sighs> Dallas. So just watch like the back Dallas. Half of the first round. There. Dallas is still alive. Yeah, that's my storyline. How is Dallas doing this? Yes. My storyline is, will I fall asleep watching Ben this? Bishop, that's how. <laughs> is this the series, really, that you're most likely to fall asleep watching? To yes. me, it's Carolina and the Islanders. No, it, it's this one. Look, it's... Well, both of them, actually. Yeah, yeah probably. I'll be bored in both of those. I won't be as bored in this one. I mean... My, my real one is, which team maintains its elite goaltending? That's, you got Bennington yeah. from the individual and then Ben Bishop from the entire season. But I, I think that's the only way Dallas wins. And I, and I know they got... They had other factors going against Nashville, but mm-hmm. I mean, Nashville was just so bad that it was, it was surprising how bad Nashville yes. was in that series. But Ben Bishop may win the Vezina, and I think he is the one way that the Stars can advance. X-Factor? I th- for me, for Dallas, it's very clear. Matt Zuccarello. Who, yeah, I picked him last time. I don't want to pick him again. But yeah, he is. They, they, they need When that top line is off the ice, they need somebody that can score for them. And he had three goals in the first round. I got the Stars PK, which was a perfect 15 for... 15 against admittedly lousy Nashville power play, but St. Louis is a much better power play. If they can keep that up, they got a chance. Special teams, as we know, yeah. are very important, and in, in my belief in particular, the PK is critical to playoff success. And Zuccarello is the definition. As found out. Of, <laughs> yep. Zuccarello is the definition of an X factor because he, he wasn't on that team. I mean, they trade for him. He was great in the first game. He gets hurt. And yeah. then he, at the time, he didn't even know if he was coming back at all this year. He didn't know if Dallas was making the playoffs, and now he's the sort of guy that, that could do some damage. Yeah, if I saw I'll offer an alternate for Dallas, it would be a Heiskanen. I'm going to see yeah. if he can, can he take over one or two of those games like he did early in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some s- defensive lapses, I don't know if people yeah. noticed that he made some glaring defensive lapses in that series, too. St. Louis, I'll go with Jaden Schwartz, who was really subpar this year. Wow, same. Four goals in that first series. Samesies. Can same I just say that? Yeah, there you go. I'm going to go with somebody who hasn't scored yet. Robbie Fabry. That's not Samesies. Fa- Robbie Fabry. He didn't score in the first round, obviously, coming back from injury. But he's been a really strong playoff performer in the past. We have seen him take over games offensively. Yeah. I think he can do the same thing for a, ga- a game or two in the series. Before he gets hurt? Yeah. Okay. Uh, predictions for this one? Blues and six. Blues and six. Same? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to be all wrong. Yeah, so I mean, St. Louis was 30-10-5 after January 1st. 
Best record in the NHL. That's really good. I think St. Louis should win this series. They should. Of, of all the series we've talked about, this is the one I think one team clearly should win. Unless their goaltending just falls apart out of nowhere. Which is possible. I, just, I can't see another way Dallas wins this series. You know, another and this I didn't feel like it would be fair to, to say this guy is an X factor, but Tarasenko didn't do a whole lot in that first round. If he no. goes off in the second round, that's it for, y- for yes. Dallas. Yeah, it's over. It's over in five in that case. Yeah. All right, those are our predictions. I have to leave in five minutes, so you want me to just run through some of these questions real quick? Well, I sure. guess I'll just sing No Canada next week. Well, I'm going to dub that in. Yeah, okay. sing, sing. This is what we'll do. I'll put the old version on after this week's show, and then you sing the new version next week. Sounds good. For context. Sorry. Sorry, listeners, to disappoint you. Well, I'm no, sorry we could only offer two hours. Yeah, they already are used to it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> He's just warming, warming up. up. I was. I was warming up the pipes. Uh, this is from Kyle. Am I a sick individual if I drink a beer or two and read Toronto fans' meltdown on Twitter all night? You go, Kyle. Yeah, no, you're not. And you're not the only one that did that, I'm sure. Uh, is, if this is from Mitch. Is this the first time all four wildcard teams advanced to the second rounds? I I believe yes, it, is. it is. I mean, format, yes. yeah, because that format hasn't been around that long. Best, this is from Charles, best overtime moment of the playoffs so far. I mean, last night's up there, double overtime in a game seven. And it's Justin Williams. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing's got to be that. hard to fight just that one. The narrative and everything. And as we talked about just before that, Justin Williams on the bench laughing. Like, yeah. hey, what's going on? We like, all know it's like coming. Like having a beer with friends in game seven. <laughs> He's the one that basically started the storm surge, right? He's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's Play it for forever, me. forever, Justin Williams. And Charles sent this question in right like after that game, so I almost wonder if he was just suggesting that was the best overtime moment. Um, this is also from Kyle. Do you think Vegas fans finally realized it's just not that easy in the NHL? That was that was a real a harsh I mean, I guess, drop to reality. Like, I, don't, I don't know how much. I mean, it should have happened, but it did. That's the yeah, world you live they in. They also should not have allowed four power play goals on one penalty. So That is true. Just saying one power play. Um, of the this is from Mike of the teams that you guys said were legitimate contenders. Maybe two are left out of the eight remaining teams. <laughs> who are the favorites now? We don't know. <laughs> Pro- yeah, no, the no. only honest answer is we don't know. Boston and the East, I guess, but yeah. like Boston and St. Louis, I will say. Yeah. but watch out for Colorado. Yeah, Danny, which of the wild card teams do you guys think has the best chance to win the cup, and why? Colorado. Colorado. Colorado, uh, Colorado to me isn't a wild card team. With that talent, I mean, they might have the best player. I mean, left they have the worst record of anybody in the playoffs. Yep. The worst record of the team that didn't, that didn't make. They only the won thirty. But yes. they didn't even but win LA half, won the cup. They that didn't way even ago. win half their games. They yeah. won thirty. The Coyotes had more wins than Colorado. Yeah, but that wasn't the question. They're definitely a wild card team. But yes, they uh, they are the ones because they're just top end off. No, they are they are a wild card team that barely got in. But I'm saying with the eight teams that are left right now, I I mean, <laughs> they're one of four wild card teams. I like them over all the other ones. It, not just because of Nathan McKinnon, but that's a major part. Uh, Tom, I'm I'm just reading questions that were directly sent to the tweet that uh, Craig tweet. sent out. The success of more physical teams like Dallas, Columbus, St. Louis, and Boston this year's playoffs stand in contrast to the speed and skill game of the past few years. Given the NHL is a copycat league, do you think other teams will adopt this style of play? It's a fair question. It's at least a, a more def- you, there may be teams that say, "Hey, you can win." by playing stifling defense still. And, and let's face it, that's what the Coyotes did this year. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but there are a number of teams that have identified that as a way you can still win. The Islanders are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Islanders are doing it. So if they if they go far, sure, there may be teams that say, okay, we don't have to have those high-priced, high-end players to do it. Because you can't always yeah. get those guys. No, they're the hardest players to get. you got to draft them. Yeah. Yes. Everything is cyclical. John Tavares comes home. Yeah, everything is cyclical. 
Like we have seen the way you yes. win this league, it goes in waves and trends. But you need it to be beyond the first round because there's a very good chance you still see a you know a Colorado in the finals, and all of a sudden that narrative doesn't exactly hold the same amount of water. But that's the only team of the eight left that you could say like, well, they're here because they got the first pick and they picked the right guy and they got Nathan McKinnon. None of these other teams really have like a clear. We got this guy with an early. Tarasenko's great, but they got him with the twenty no, but something. If, if you talk about non-physical, like I mean, Carolina's not a physical team. Like if Carolina gets there. I yeah. mean, I mean, there are certain teams that, that, are, that buck the narrative of what he was. I was answering my own question that was in my head. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's helpful for I've everybody. Done that before. But I, I mean, there's there's not a lot of teams that have that have benefited from that. Hey, we got the first pick partially because Edmonton always so gets Edmonton the first took them pick. All, yeah. they, they, Edmonton and Buffalo. <laughs> um, this is the last one for this show. Okay. Okay. And I'll try and get to some of the like evergreen questions that we got for this show next week. From Imagine the Garbage Pail Kids, but in outer space. That's the Twitter name, too, by the way. Anytime people think that I'm just randomly losing my mind when I say that. Should further conflict arise between uh, DeBoer and Gallant, this is before Game 7, who would you pick to win in a sewer fight? Gallant. 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 It's not not even close. I'd pick Gallant to win most sewer fights. Yeah. I I think if if there was like a bracket of sewer fights of all the coaches in the NHL... Gallant's up there. Yeah, he's up there. But like, like I mentioned with Rod Brindamore last night. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure yeah, I want to meet him in alley. Would him. you want to meet Rick Dockett in an alley? No. no. Nope. Uh, John Tortorella, I feel like would do whatever it took to win. Yeah, he's he, yeah, he'd be sneaky good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DeBoer's nothing against him, but he's not real high on that list. No, yeah, he yeah. doesn't need to be picking fights with Gallant. Tortorella would fight Gallant on, on the mean <laughs> streets <laughs> of Vegas Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody that wrote in. Thanks for listening for two full hours. If you listen for two full hours, I give you a thanks at the end. And sorry for the non-updated version of No Canada. You didn't get it. You'll get it next week. You'll get it next week. Leave the audience wanting more. Thanks to uh, Jesse Granger for calling in and uh, (laughs) giving us some insight on what's going on in Vegas as well. For Jamie Eisner, Craig Morgan, and Luke Lipinski, thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. No Canada. Okay, this is Craig Morgan from a couple years ago, even though it sounds like it was recorded 80 years ago. (laughs) Back away. Back away. Back to the mic. No Canada, you can't make playoff plans. Your seven teams will all be also rans. From Vancouver to Edmonton, Winnipeg and Calgary. Even Montreal and Ottawa and those shameful maple leaves. When will you drink from the cup of Lord Stanley? Oh, Canada, when will your teams Succeed Oh Canada When will your teams Succeed